So, like, take off to the great white north. Beauty. Beauty. Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Jeez. Take off, <laughs> you hosers. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Hosers. My name is Chris Killingsworth. Joining me is, as always, my co-host Carter Lupel. Carter, what's going on, man? How's it going, Chris? It's going well. I. Uh, it's weird. We've been gone for almost <laughs> like basically seven weeks, and we uh, kind of did a bad thing and and didn't really say that we were going to be going anywhere. So. Uh, this is my heartfelt apologies to those people who check out the podcast, but fortunately we've had people going back through the back catalog of four episodes prior to episode five right now, uh, and checking those out. But, uh, anyways, we're back and, uh, yeah, I, I think we can both commit to being uh, back on track, right? Once a week. Oh, absolutely. Beauty. Well, listen, let's, uh, let's get into it. We're happy to be back. But yeah, lots gone on in the last little while. Carter, how are your uh, how are your your Christmas holidays and and how did your holidays go? Uh, they were busy. Uh, the family went away for uh, I guess almost a month. I was gone, so it's um it's just nice to be back. Nice to be back. <laughs> and where did you go again? For people who don't know, uh, we went to Manhattan for New Year's, and then we went on a cruise down through the south uh we actually sailed through a hurricane oh my god yes. how did that happen uh i guess because we were stupid enough to do a cruise in the winter time out of new york so it was uh the atlantic was pretty rocky for three days going there and two days on the way back so if anyone is looking to save money and go out of new york spend it elsewhere and go out of florida <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense i uh I can understand that. So you're, you and the whole family went and Chrissy went. How many yeah. people was it in total? 12 total. Oh, my gosh. And that's like 12 people at every family meal and everything else, I would imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just a light show. It was <laughs> uh, <laughs> we could have we could have charged like admission to, for people to just watch us on this trip. I love that. What was your what was your like kind of takeaway or your, or your favorite kind of memory of being with the family and whatnot? Uh, it's just kind of cool to see how each of them grow and how uniquely individual they all are, and and then at the same or in the same breath, how exactly similar they all are. Um, it's I guess my biggest takeaway is just watching them all get older and turn into like these little individuals, you know. Yeah, I totally get that. I feel like kind of in a similar vein, my Christmas was very similar. Uh, this was the first year that um, we had a baby at Christmas, and that will happen to you probably uh, at some point or another. It's yeah. very strange. Um, How for those so? Just like, uh, it's really kind of hard to put your finger on it, but my niece was born um, back when the Leafs were playing Washington in the playoffs. What month was that? I don't remember. But I do remember the night she was born watching the game. It was the night that uh, Kapanen scored the goal in overtime. 
because we drove as quickly as we could to the hospital in Alliston, which is um, a little while away from where we live in Barrie now. And um, yeah, she was born and in the waiting room, um, it was just my kind of immediate family and the game was on and we were just watching like the, the hockey game. So that in and of itself is pretty weird. But yeah, it's it's hard to put your finger on it because I have a big family to begin with. So when we do Christmas, it's it's myself, um, you know, our, our kind of partners, my siblings, um, and there's a lot of us. And then this year we played hockey for a little bit. Uh, there's a rink um, outside of our subdivision. So we went and played hockey for a bit. And then, yeah, I think, you know, having a baby there is just almost a reminder that, you know, everybody's kind of growing up and everybody's got their own lives and things are going on. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great. She's, she's amazing. She's a, you know, beautiful, fun, happy baby. But uh, definitely a reminder that, you know, I'm getting old and and my siblings are getting old and and everything (laughs) else, you know, that kind of goes with that. So, but yeah, we had a great time, man. You got to spend some time with the family and uh, yeah, you know, family time's always good when you can get it, right? Oh, absolutely. It's nice to be back. Now, I mentioned on our previous episode that we'd give updates uh, about the hockey team. Do you want to uh, give us an update of where we're at right now with the Fleming Knights? Um, we're starting strong. The, uh, the first practice went well. We had a lot of, uh, it's, well, for those of you who are kind of just tuning in, we were on strike for the first semester. So we had, um, a lot of trouble with attendance, but we had everybody there this practice and it was, it was cool to see the boys going. They're really starting to show like they're ready for the rest of the season and ready to put up some good numbers. So they're just going to, uh, put their head down and work towards our first tournament, on the 9th and game against uh, uh, Trent University on February 3rd before that. And we'll definitely beat them. Um, yeah. We beat them last time, so it would only be, uh, you know, just it's just kind of what we do, you know. So Big, I, big shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Absolutely. I'm hoping uh, to get back on the ice soon. I, um, you know, in typical Chris fashion, bailed uh just outside of the steps of my apartment uh just after christmas and and hurt my ankle pretty bad but uh you know being on the injury reserve is not so bad free popcorn you know those types of things all kind of play into it yeah what else happened in the new year i started this new thing on twitter where every day i'm uh going through um the the players and the numbers that they wear and, and numbers of significance. So I started at number one with Johnny Bauer. Nice. And today was number the twenty first day of the new year. So Borea Salming. Oh, uh, Borea. Yeah, just this. He's so sick. Are you familiar with that photo of him with his face all cut up and he's oh. holding the kitten in his hand? I am very aware of that. That's one of the. How can you not? As a hockey fan, how can you not <laughs> love that photo? That was my profile picture on social media for a long time. But <laughs> anyways, so tomorrow's the 22nd. It's going to be uh, January 22nd, otherwise known as Mike Bossy Day. And uh, yeah, no, I got this book. Uh, it was a Christmas gift that I got from my mother-in-law. Um, would have been probably three or four years ago. And it's called, I think it's called By the Numbers. It's written by Scott Morrison, who's... Um, one of the Sportsnet guys, um, and every basically there's 
a chapter for each number and it talks about the player that best represented that number the person who's you know most well known for wearing that number and I got like kind of obsessed with the idea of it so yeah I've been having a little bit of fun with that and then other than that yeah the new year's been pretty uh pretty interesting so far any you know big life changing things for you I mean you started your new job how's that going it's going great. It's um, I'm I'm working on anomaly or at anomaly on Bud Light, uh, so I watch over music and esports for Bud Light at Anomaly, which is a creative agency in Toronto. That they were actually the creative agency that um, championed the gold red light for this year's Olympics. Oh, that's sweet. So, like the one that you see advertised on TV, right? It's a Budweiser yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. So if uh, actually there's a Globe Mail article that kind of gives praise to Anomaly for championing the initiative. Uh, I'll send it your way. It's actually pretty cool to start off somewhere and then have them be recognized right away in the limelight. It makes telling my family that a career in advertising um, is what I want to do a lot easier <laughs> for them to understand. Do you get uh, free Bud Light with that that you can send my way or what? Pro- so explaining, we had a talk earlier how like some places are like, Google's to Google for Google and Apple's to Apple for Apple. <laughs> oh, uh, I can I can uh, I can attest to that for sure. <laughs> anomaly is to anomaly for anomaly. Like they're because of all their beer partners, they have two bars on so one bar for each of the floors in the agency, and they both have um, they both have constant beer on tap. That's the dream, man. I mean, I'm not like much of a, a beer guy. At least this time of year. I'm a big cider guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big cider guy to begin with, uh, much to my family's just utter and sheer disappointment. <laughs> I'm currently drinking a Queen Street 501 uh, Brickworks cider. Oh, very nice. They're so good, dude. That like, was, I could. That was my up. street car. My street I, car to work was the Queen Street 501. There you go. When I worked yeah. with the Leafs all summer. Dude, 501. I don't know what it goes by, Queen Street or 501. Regardless, it's my favorite. And I think, honestly, it's because of the streetcar uh, on the uh, on the can. <laughs> no, but seriously, it stands out. And, like, I used to have this obsession with, like, streetcars. And um, back in, like, the early 90s, they used to give out these, like, uh, cardboard cutouts of streetcars that were, oh, like... I remember oh, that. Do you remember those? Yeah. They, like, littered my room when I was a kid, and I was obsessed with them. And not living in Toronto, like, as an adult, I don't take the TTC very often. And when I do, I, you know, I'm normally just taking the subway. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, weird. But anyways, that kind of stands out to me. But I'm glad that the job's going well, man. I I know you were kind of grinding away since everything ended with MLSE, so I'm glad that things are starting to come together for you a bit more, right? Absolutely. Thank you. No problem. Did you uh, get a chance to watch any, like, either the Habs-Bruins game last night or the Leafs-Senators game? I fan 590 did it. I was on the road. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay, so before we get into that, you got to tell people a story about the van in the U.S. Because, like, that is some, like, actually crazy shit that happened to you guys. Um, so on our way back, we got half hour out of Manhattan. So we stayed in Manhattan and then parked the cars at our hotel and everything and half hour to Manhattan the way back um, my dad's truck the rear driver's side tire pops off on the interstate 
like flies down the road over the median into some other guy's truck um, and and like completely Munson's us on the side of the road so we had to get towed to um, so it happened in Yonkers, New York and we had to get towed to Ards, Ardsley, New York uh, for them to fix it uh, turned out that nothing was open because it was all small town New York and um, they had to get a rental and bring the whole family back because everyone had to go to school, start new jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I was, <laughs> I was tasked with dropping the rental back off in New York and picking up my family truck again this weekend for some reason. So I was, uh, I was, I've been on the road basically since the beginning of January. And so I, I'm, I'm looking forward to next weekend where I get to relax and share Chrissy's birthday with her and everything and not have to drive anybody anywhere. <laughs> Dude, that makes total sense. I honestly do not blame you for a second. But but uh, honestly, though, the uh, the third period in the, the Leafs-Sens game, that's what kept me awake the, the last leg of the trip. Dude, I know it was wild. Robin and I went out. Have you ever done, like, the Berrylicious thing before? Yeah. So Robin and I are, like so into Berrylicious. We uh, we usually do like date night on the weekends anyway, but we went to Flying Monkeys last night, um, which is a brewery um, for those of you guys who haven't heard of it before. And the food that we had last night was so good. The only downside to it was that the way that I was facing had the Bruins Habs game on and the <laughs> way that she was facing had the uh, the Leaf and Sens game on. So why didn't you guys just switch? That would have been perfect if you switched. Yeah, I know, but since well, I think I told you since, yeah, since Subban, Subban, yeah, <laughs> yeah, since Subban got traded, she is like a Leafs homer now. Um, I bought her a bunch of Leafs gear last year when they went to the playoffs, and she's like obsessed with William Nylander. So, yeah, um, and you know what? In a way, I, I kind of prefer that because if she gets to watch the team that she gets to you know enjoy and, and enjoys watching in that moment, um, I'm good with that. Just makes her more of a fan, and then that way on a you know Wednesday night when Carolina is playing like Buffalo she'll let me watch the game if I want right <laughs> so it's kind of nice that way but yeah the Berrylicious thing dude we had the craziest food um they had this burger that I ate last night that was you know the one at the CNE that has it's like a basically just a burger that has uh, instead of buns it's a donut oh wow so I had that, which was interesting to say the least. Holy but shit. But on the burger, it also had uh, pulled pork on top of it. <laughs> so, like, I was a vegetarian for forever and basically... So are you still alive? <laughs> no. Well, that's the weird thing is I normally don't eat red meat at all. When I stopped being vegetarian, I was like, okay, well, I'll ease into it. Like, I'll have chicken. I'll have fish here and there. And then... I don't know, I guess the last year or so I've been like, well, you know what, like if I, you know, it's been so long, like maybe I'll like it, you know what I mean? So sometimes I try it and I ended up being fine, but uh, yeah, it was really, it was really fun. We had a great time and, and the game was on in the background and we left just during the intermission from the second period to the third period. And when we got home, we watched the third period, but did anything kind of stand out to you when you were, you know, I guess you were listening to it, not watching it, but what were your you know, some of your takeaways from the game? Um, well, it was, I, I, to be honest, I was obviously not all focused on the game. I had my sister with me and I was driving through the night on the I-90. Um, and I was like toggling back and forth between the two. And 
I expected the the Boston Montreal game to go as it did. Yeah. Um, but I was really surprised considering the season that Ottawa has turned out to be having to see them like pop out three goals in a period against the Leafs. Um, that was kind of interesting to hear in the second period. And then um, it was really cool to see the Leafs kind of answer back with three in the, the last period, which was um, w- which was what I expected, I guess. Or I, ex- I didn't expect them to stick at that score. Yeah, I, I was, as I said, was watching more the the Bruins and the Habs game when we were at the bar. And, like, it's just, you know, I, I don't really watch a ton of Bruins games or a lot of Habs games. I'll watch them if they're on, but I'm not, you know, tuning in every night when they're playing. But, man, that Marchand, Bergeron, and, and Pasternak line is, like, enough of a reason for any hockey fan to tune into a Bruins game. Like, oh, yeah. Just, just magic. And, um, you know, I think... For me, it's a reminder that I know, like, Marchand was always considered to be, like, a pest and that he wasn't considered much of a skill guy and had a bit of a coming out party in the last few years. And then he was playing with Crosby at the World Cup of Hockey. And then everyone was like, oh, I I guess, you know, Marchand's a pretty good player. And, you know, it's just... It's just interesting to see like the dynamic of that line, um, and obviously the Bruins ended up winning four to one. But when we got home and, and watched the rest of the Leafs game, um, you know they had said on the broadcast that you know Marlowe had a conversation with them at the end of the second period, and, and Matthews was quoted saying that you know he doesn't talk very much, but when he does, you know everybody wants to listen, and I guess he must have got the guys you know fired up, and you know that goal that Marshawn or Marshawn that uh, Marner got. Um, did you see the toe drag goal that he got on Craig Anderson when you were watching the highlights or anything? Or No, I didn't get to see it. So I remember a couple people were posting about it on Twitter. And um, I remember when the NHL 18 uh, trailer came out, there was this kind of clip towards the end of the trailer of um, uh, Mitch Marner doing uh, a toe drag and then uh, putting it you know, in the net behind Anderson, obviously. And he did almost the exact same move last <laughs> night. Obviously, like, Anderson went a different way on the puck and whatever, and it doesn't look like verbatim the exact same thing. But yeah. Marner's doing the exact same move as the video. So, anyways, I thought that that was so funny. Um, and, uh, you know, it was good to see Marner, you know, put a goal uh, up for the team. I think he's had a bit of a challenging year as far as goals. I don't think they're coming as easy as they did for him before. So that was, that was nice. But, you know, to your point earlier about the senators, like, you know, we're going to get into that as kind of our, our first topic as it were. And the senators have just been, yeah, they've just been really, really hard to follow. Um, between everything that's happened with their owner, Eugene Melnick has no idea when to talk and when not to talk, evidently. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see that, you know, I think everybody expected them to be doing a lot better once the Duchesne um, trade happened, which we covered largely in a couple of episodes ago. But it's it's interesting to see. So um, their record right now is 15, 20, and 9. And my concern is, is I think that if it keeps going this way, we're almost on the brink of a, a of a collapse. What are your kind of <laughs> thoughts about that team, given that they're, you know, this far out of a wild card position? As of today, they're about 15 points out. Um, well, it sounds pretty, like, weird to say, and I think I'm, like, reaching for the stars, but you can kind of map their, like, steady decline this season to when 
Carlson started talking about what he's worth. Yeah. And um, they've kind of had a dark cloud looming over them ever since that because it seems like, like, because you haven't seen, like, lots of media kind of touch that subject again. And it, this dark cloud is almost like an elephant in the room for the Senators. And it seems like it has, like, this this whole team off with, like, trying to introduce, um, like, a new Duchesne and, like, him talking about staying or going and everything like that. Like, their, their moves since that whole trade and since him kind of talking with Dowdy has... Like, it's it's just been kind of weird. Like, they haven't been your traditional Senators that you watched last year. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think, as weird as it sounds to say, they got too much media attention for what they're equipped to handle as a team. Yeah, but I think, like, to that point, it's almost like, you know, I remember when the, the Bruins, or not the Bruins, the Senators, uh, beat the Bruins um, and, you know, advanced throughout the playoffs everyone was like you know this team is the real deal they just needed you know good coaching and they needed you know a healthy Carlson and all of these different things and I agree with you like I think the fact that Carlson is being pretty I I guess he's kind of like staying mum about the potential of being traded and and most of his interviews he doesn't say anything about being traded just saying things like you know I've given Ottawa everything I've got and I've been here for nine years and you know I play through illnesses and all those things um you know I think for somebody that's uh, a Norris trophy winner and has you know publicly stated that he wants to get paid for everything that he's worth I think it's interesting that the one thing that he'll always point out in this interviews is you know I still have a year and a half left on my contract and I'm UFA next July you know what I mean yeah so I don't know I kind of feel like where there's smoke there's fire I mean I don't obviously I feel sometimes like a bit of a homer thinking that he's you know seriously considering you know what his options are but you know that he's gonna you know at at least filter the idea that that he might leave at some point or another right oh yeah like it's i like we we talked about earlier with his track record kind of warranting him talking like this um or warranting uh his saying what he's worth and everything like that i just don't He's he's not like as an attra- as attractive as a player as he is. His kind of attitude around the the whole thing wouldn't, as a coach, make him appealing to me. Like it's like I I know how you said like where there's smoke there's fire, but he's still got time left. He like is committed to Ottawa, and he's kind of talking about like Ottawa like they've wronged him and they owe him all of these empty promises for some like it's yeah like I don't know I I, I've felt fallen out of love with Carlson this past season uh, especially since all of the these talks with Dowdy and everything yeah I I don't know if I I feel like almost the exact opposite because I feel as if he has given everything that he has to Ottawa and time and time again there's always a reason you know and and some of that's been injury and and you know he's he's had some injury issues in his career with the senators yeah but i also feel like you know he is gonna get paid and you know it's funny because Doughty was the one who made the comments 
back, you know, when we talked about it a few episodes uh, ago now. Yeah. But it's funny because it's almost as if Carlson's remarks are taken more seriously than Doughty's comments were. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think that's just be, I think that's, um, that's like proximity. Like I'm sure in the West they're talking about Doughty and they're more talking about Carlson, you know? Yeah, but I think the difference there is is that Dorian was basically like, okay, right after the, the conversation happened, Dorian was basically like, well, I need everybody to submit a, a no-trade list. And then, of course, uh, Carlson submitted his 10-team no-trade list, yeah. um, you know, based on what his no-trade clause is in his contract. So then that added more onto it. And then Eugene Melnick's comments before their outdoor game about them relocating added more wood onto the fire. And I just feel like it's going to continuously happen, right? Yeah. So I guess where I wanted to go with this is, let's say, for example, like let's put on our fantasy hat for a second here. (laughs) If Carlson does leave, and I genuinely think at this point, like mark my words on Sunday, January 21st, 2018, he's not going to be a senator uh, no. by the time. Like, well, it's, no, he's, it, it's in his mind. Like no player would talk like that unless it's in their mind that they're not going to be there. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Because he, he's kind of shitting in his bed if he does stay there. Yeah, and I think at this point, you know, and I mean, no one knows what the player's feeling, but it's almost like I almost get a vibe that that he feels almost like betrayed of, yeah. of what's gone on, and and I I can understand that, but I guess when I think about you know what the senators are right now, and of course you know I've stated this before, I don't have a dog in the fight as far as the senators go as a Leaf fan. But at the same time, like, they're a Canadian team. I don't want them to relocate. I want them to be a viable market. You and I have some some friends that are Senators fans. Um, and, of course, you know, at the end of the day, uh, another team in Ontario and, you know, the battle of Ontario with the Maple Leafs is something that I enjoy watching and have enjoyed watching since I was a kid, right? But when you look at the trade deadline that's approaching uh, in about... I guess it's about five weeks is when it's happening. Yeah. Um, do you think that they should sell off some of the pieces that they have that have been kind of rumored to be on the market and see what they can do with those assets in terms of like a, an actual, actual rebuild for Ottawa? Um, I, I, I think it's a bad time for a rebuild for Ottawa. Like, it's, it's going to be a big hill to climb moving into a new rink and starting up a new team at the same time. Well, that's assuming that they can get a rink, right? Because that's, there was all that conversation. And even more stuff came out in the media last week about the mayor in Ottawa talking about how, um, you know, it's the, the team's viability would rely on, on them getting an arena deal downtown, right? Yeah. So, so it, it would be, it'd be like, I don't know, I don't, I don't see them... Like, I, I don't see them attempting a rebuild at this point like as and I think like they should kind of hold on to some like I wouldn't like to see them get rid of Phaneuf just yet um, okay I, I feel like he still has a bit of a role to play in Ottawa especially if Carlson up and moves they need someone someone to kind of look back on not that he's that big shining star that Ottawa needs but he's some sort of a blue line consistency that can help them through this weird move if they have to move. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think there's um, there's more 
evils at play that need to be taken care of first than a rebuild. I, I think oh, for sure. So, as much as my fantasy hat would like to be on and see the Senators kind of get out of that fifteen and twenty um, record that they've got going on, I would like to see them find a home first and then start to think about flipping their assets a little bit after once they've matured as a team and once those assets have kind of matured alongside with them because they're not going to get what they're worth at their current state. Totally. They'd be selling, you know, way low on a lot of oh, these yeah. they, players. Oh, yeah, they'd, they'd be pennies on the dollar right oh, now. Oh, totally. But devil's advocate, though, and, and I'm not trying to change your mind on it, but just something that you, you know, might want to think about as far as that goes is, realistically, there's three pieces that have been kind of in the rumor mill. Yeah. Four, four <clears throat> excuse me, four pieces if you include Cody Cece. So you're looking at um, Hoffman, uh Pajot and Fanuf, and I get what you're saying about Fanuf in terms of some of like his intangible qualities as far as you know he's well respected he's been a captain before he you know has one of the A's in Ottawa now um, you know by all degrees and from everything you've ever heard about him in the media he's like a true professional and all of that other shit but I think one thing that, you know, might need to be in consideration is how egregious that contract looks right now for Dion Phaneuf, right? Mm-hmm. So we know that he wasn't necessarily the right fit in Toronto. And, you know, it was interesting to see what they ended up doing with um, that trade um, when Phaneuf ended up going to Ottawa. But I wonder if Ottawa could look at doing a similar trade as to what Toronto did to them initially. And by that, I mean, what if Ottawa could flip Phaneuf, take on a couple of bad contracts in the short term, um, and then get themselves under, you know, uh, underneath or above that contract um, when he's moved on to another team? Because I look at what that, like, what kind of cap flexibility that gave the Maple Leafs back when it happened, and I wonder if something similar, you know, would work for Ottawa. What do you think? I, I don't think they'd, like, they're not an attractive marketplace right now. Like, their location's up in the air. They have a bad, like, they have a bad record. They have, like, all these players talking about, like, oh, I'm going away from Ottawa when, like, as soon as I become a UFA. Like it's, I don't know. I, I, I feel like Ottawa right now, as far as movement, should stay locked up um, because anything that they're gonna do isn't gonna benefit them. Like as bad as that sounds, I, I'm throwing in the towel for Ottawa at this part in the season, um, just because of all like they this 2017 2018 hasn't been their season. Yeah, a- and I, I don't think they're an attractive market especially for short-term players um, because all they're gonna all these short-term players are gonna do is go there and lessen their value because they're yeah that's a good point I don't think they're gonna go there turn the senators around and give them a good playoff run I think they're gonna go there integrate like them rot <laughs> yeah integrate themselves into a poorly uh, like poorly operating ecosystem and then whether Ottawa stays has to move gets a new rank whatever once that happens it's not going to be two three four maybe even five years before these short-term players are worth what they're actually worth again so 
Well, and that's assuming that they can get any kind of residual value for them later on, right? Like, I think of some of the cap cap dumps, in air quotes, that the Leafs took on when they traded FNUF, and they ended up getting... Like, I don't think any of those players are still even in the organization anymore. I'm trying to think, because... Well, I guess Colin Greening is still on the Marlies. Yeah. Um, but, like, McCulloch is gone, and he was basically put onto the Marlies. He didn't even play for the Leafs for that long. Um, a couple of the prospects. Hold on. Chrissy just brought me a tea in my hockey mug. What Describe this hockey mug. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh. <laughs> no, that's probably okay. I was going to go on a bit of a tangent about, like, why the Leafs should have kept Tobias Lindbergh, but that's fine. No, no, go ahead. So I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I was just... No, I, it's cool. What kind of tea did you get? Uh, just just orange pico, I think. But oh my god, you're a hundred years old. I know. I've got my hockey mug, cross sticks with the puck in the middle. It's red on the inside and has a little maple leaf. Love it. You are a closet maple leaf fan after all these years. They uh they, Chrissy got it for me for us to do our podcast. Well, I didn't get a mug. I'll get you one, buddy. I guess I'll just wait for mine in the mail. Yeah, I think it got lost. <laughs> that's fine. I'm usually having a beer when we're recording anyways, so that's fine. No problem. But, but no, in regards to the Closet Leaf fan, like, if anybody isn't watching the Leafs now, they're, like, I would gather that they don't know a whole lot about the game. Like, Yeah, it, but I think the caveat there is just that they're defense and like having to watch Roman Polak try and <laughs> play hockey in 2018 is just very challenging. Yeah. But I want to stay on topic for Sorry, one last go thought. Ahead. Yeah. No, no, it's cool. Is hypothetically if Carlson were to get traded and that is like the most homer thing ever. Yeah. But if he were to get traded, I think about the King's ransom that he would get that would bring back to Ottawa that might prove to be a better long-term plan anyways if they don't expect Carlson to stay when he hits free agency. So hear me out. I did a bit of digging, but I was doing some show prep before the show, and I was thinking about what it would look like if Carlson were to be on a team that had... um, You know, obviously he could be a number one right-handed defenseman. He is probably the best defenseman in the league anyways. But the most glaring sign of weakness or the most like kind of prominent area of need for the Ottawa Senators, in my opinion, would be goaltending and defense. So as far as goaltending prospects go, like it's not looking very good. So much so that Andrew Hammond is still playing for Belleville when he's property of the Colorado Avalanche. (laughs) Avalanche. The Avalanche. So when I think about that a little bit more, I was thinking, like, I wonder if it would make sense to flip Carlson to a team where they could get a couple of blue chip defensive prospects and some, you know, maybe he goes to a team that already has goaltending depth that could go the other way. So I was thinking about a team like maybe Dallas, um, maybe Jake Ottinger would look interesting in an Ottawa Senators jersey. Um, I was thinking about the New York Rangers or the New York Islanders, who both have um, some like top goaltending prospects in their system. Yeah. Or I was thinking about maybe Columbus. Could you imagine Columbus with Eric Carlson? That would be but, a pretty wild move. 
but they have the goaltending depth. You know, maybe they look at moving Corpusalo or a player. You know, they've and, and even below Corpusalo in the goaltending depth, like they have it. Or maybe a team like Philadelphia, or maybe you know, as strange as it said, you know, might sound to say, but maybe even a team like Washington, who they have <laughs> goaltenders like Ilya Samsonov in Washington, um, who I think is still playing in the KHL. You know, we know that Braden Holtby is going to be their goaltender for the yeah. next, you know, let's say five to seven years. You know, what would it look like to flip a prospect that way? Yeah. And I know they already um, have a Carlson, though. Can you imagine a Carlson Carlson lineup? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty <laughs> interesting. But I don't imagine John Carlson stays with. Uh, no, no. I think he'll he'll get paid when the time comes. I always try and trade for him in NHL 18 because I know that he'll take a, a cheap contract. But <laughs> take whatever he can get. <laughs> I digress. Well, no, he's he's a good player in the game. But listen, I'd rather have Eric Carlson than John Carlson. But yeah. anyways, just something to think about. I feel like Dallas could be an interesting place for Carlson to go. Um, because Dallas has the defensive depth and like Julius Honka, or maybe they look at trading, you know, as he said earlier, like Jake Ottinger, who's, you know, a pretty highly touted goaltending prospect for Dallas. And he played for, he was Team USA starting goalie uh, in the World Juniors and this year, you know, in Boston. He might like light a fire under Dallas's belly, like, like watching Radulov and Sagan and Spezza, like all there and them kind of operating how they would maybe Carlson would be what Dallas needs to <laughs> okay so I love what you just said because could you okay imagine this Spezza is a cap dump back to Ottawa where he was the <laughs> captain before Carlson got there or well Carlson was there but wasn't the captain I guess um anyways <laughs> that would be really funny I Dude. know but like the thing is like they like that would be out of all of those I think Dallas would be the place where he would do the most work I think yeah and I mean the challenge that Dallas has always had has been you know largely it hasn't been well it's weird they've had issues offensively but they're a team that should not be offensively challenged given that they've got you know as you mentioned earlier Radulov, Spezza well it's because um, it's because they focus on the front end it almost appears that they just forget about their back end yeah but I mean I don't know There are people on Dallas that have been largely unsuccessful this year, and Spezza, actually, funny enough, is probably one of them that would fall under that. But, you know, they've got Jamie Benn, and they've got, like, depth throughout their lineup, you know what I mean? But it'd be interesting because if Dallas was going to trade their first-round pick, a guy maybe like Jake Ottinger, Julius Honka, you know what I mean, players that are not full-time on Dallas quite yet, that's you know, the type of pieces that I imagine and probably more pieces that it would take to pry Carlson from Ottawa. But yeah, anyways, let's let's move on to um, Saturday night, uh, Saturday night headlines um, from last night. Um, so I, I don't know if you had a chance. I guess you wouldn't have listened to that on the radio. But Chris Johnston from Sportsnet mentioned that the Sedin twins are hoping to play another season after this one. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, Johnston was quoted with saying that there, this has been up in the air somewhat um, entering the season, and obviously they reiterated at the start of the season that they only wanted to remain Vancouver Canucks, which is interesting. Um, my understanding was that 
there hasn't been any conversation about an extension with the Sedins, but realistically, if there was, I guess that would make it their 18th year in the league. Yeah. Uh, and they've spent that entire 18 years with the Canucks. Yeah. What do you think about uh, the possibility of the Canucks playing another year after we had this long conversation about Yager a few episodes ago and now <laughs> he's on the trading block from Calgary? What are your thoughts on the Sedins sticking around another year? Um, I think the Sedin brothers are a little bit of a different story. Um, just, like, it doesn't, like, take a take a pro to, like, see that they're playing a little better than Yager is playing this year. Well, I mean, but relative to age, too, right? Because Yager, yeah. I think, has got two to four years on them. Yeah. Um, the confusing thing about the Sedin brothers is they don't want to go separately, right? Right. So, um... Like, what else do the Canucks really have going for them but to let the Sedins play another season? Like, I I don't think... Like, it's going to be a tough sell for them to go anywhere else in the league at this point as a pair, you know? So I, I think if they were to play another season in the NHL, it would have to be with the Canucks or else they're going to have to separate. Like, as much as they're revered in Vancouver for their lifetime of commitment. I don't think other franchises are going to are going to um maybe honor that the same. Um no, it's it's a good point. I think the interesting thing here is is like the like the Canucks are in a place where I don't know if they know what they are. No, like cuz they, <laughs> they're, they're not in they're not in a re, like they're in that they're in like the uh, they're in like the dusk right now because they're like they don't know if they're rebuilding or if they're trying to solidify themselves. They're in that weird like middle growth period. Um, yeah. So the like it, it's tough to say like the because the Sedins like if we're going by like what's down on paper, why not let them play another season? They're third and fourth, right? Well, I think the big concern is their cap hit, yeah. right? Because their cap hits right now, uh, I think, total around $14 million or something like that, which is pretty significant. Like, that's yeah. a pretty big chunk of your salary cap. Um, but I think, you know, the, the Canucks, you know, must look at it from a perspective, at least right now, that I think they are a little bit further along than the expectations that I think people had for them at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Like, dude... If I knew now, or if rather, if I knew then what Brock Besser would be at the <laughs> almost the end of January, and he's you know arguably leading the race for the Calder with Matt Barzal, I, I wouldn't have guessed that, dude. I, I was the first person that was like Charlie McAvoy for the Calder. You know, I'm a big <laughs> like I want defensemen to win the Calder, but yeah. obviously, you know, the four forwards are are usually a little bit further along that way. Yeah, but. You know, and, and then you look at some of the injuries that they've had, and I think throughout the first little while, um, at least at the beginning of the season, they were playing a more reduced role. Um, you know, I think they were even seeing time on the third line, but still seeing lots of time on the power play. Yeah. And they're both, as I said earlier, they're both still finding ways to produce, right? Yeah. So well, it's, I, I think they should have a place until Vancouver figures out what their identity is or what they're trying to do. Yeah, but what's it going to take, right? Because I would be in the camp that 
you know, this is probably an unpopular opinion with with Canucks fans, but maybe the next step is to trade the Sedins. Yeah. But, but of course, you can't trade them because they would need to go together. Yeah. Right? They would need to be and, picked up. But the other part of it, too, like I said, is that, like, Henrik came into the game uh, or into the weekend um, with 32 points. 30 of those are assists. A Mm -hmm. lot of those come from being on the power play. Yeah. And Daniel still has 29 points and has about 10 goals, right? So they're still producing. But I guess it's just one of those things where I wonder... Maybe the next step for the Canucks is to be without the Sedins and to see what kind of, you know, they're going to struggle, I would imagine, without the Sedins, at least right at first. But I think this is more and more as time goes on. It's becoming more and more evident that it's not necessarily their team anymore, right? Yeah. This is Bo Horvat's team. This is Brock Besser's team. Yeah. This is Sven Barchi's team. And, you know, the list goes on and on. But at the same time, A... If you could trade them, what kind of return could you ever expect to get? And and two, assuming that could happen, like what teams could take on that much salary, right? Yeah, well, I don't like I don't think like that's the thing. Like they're as a pair, they're worth so much less than what they could potentially get separated. You know? Yeah. Um, oh, I agree. But. I don't know. I, I think Vancouver should announce that they have one more season left with them because I know it's hard to kind of see from the East, but th- like in the West, the Sedins are like family to Vancouver fans. Like they're, I feel like Vancouver is going to be lost for a season or two without them in regards yeah. to fans, like kind of wondering like what there is to watch in Vancouver, you know, like yeah. Vancouver has seen some amazing talent come and go like, like Smith and Luongo and things like that, and they just blinked them away, but not yeah. the Sedins, you know what I mean? So I feel like they should, in that announcing that the Sedins will have one more season left, they should kind of announce what they're going to be doing with that move. Mm-hmm. Like, because they, like you said, they, they don't know where they are. They need to figure out a move because they can't just be this, like, mid-tier franchise forever. Like, someone's going to consume them. So yeah. they need to start to make some moves and make them quick. And I am in agreement with you that their first move needs to be getting rid of the Sedin brothers or transitioning them out appropriately to their fan base. Yeah, where it makes sense. And it's not one of these scenarios where like the only one I can think of that kind of comes to mind and we're hearing more and more like horror stories from Arizona. Sorry, Tim Waugh <laughs> is kind of, you know, what you don't want to happen is the kind of um, scenario or you know, some people might view it almost as like an exile that happened to Shane Doan. Right. Oh, absolutely. Where everyone was kind of expecting him to come back and like begrudgingly, I don't have any issue with Shane Doan. Like he's a great player when he's not trying to kill people by throwing his elbows at everybody. But <laughs> You know, it is truly one of those situations where you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, how can things end admirably as to not, you know, stir up any fuss, right? Yeah. And I mean, to your point, like, realistically, they've played their entire career with one team, right? Yeah. And they almost won the Stanley Cup in 2011 before the Bruins, you know, you know beat them, obviously. And... Other than that, you know, they've had a couple of really great seasons and the, you know, they've, 
to your point, like they've together are so successful, but part of me wonders what it would be like if they were to separate. But it's becoming more and more clear to me that regardless of what they do, if they separate, if they say one more year left and then we're going to go back and play for Moto in the SHL or whatever they end (laughs) up doing, it's got to be one of those things that's, I almost feel like it's got to be like out in the public during like a press release or something as to like to keep complete transparency with the fans that have grown up with the Sedins. Yeah. Like we're talking almost 20 years with the same team. But then the other side of me is kind of like, well, what if one of them just goes full Ray Bork and they're like, trade me at the trade deadline to a contender? Yeah. Which brings up, this is like the NHL 18 version of uh, the podcast, but um, in the NHL 18 franchise that I'm playing, um, the most recent one that I've played, um, Daniel ends up playing for Tampa Bay. He gets <laughs> traded to Tampa Bay at the trade deadline, and Henrik gets traded to Ottawa. Which is funny because even in this like fantasy world, uh, Tampa Bay in that most recent franchise ended up uh, having the most points in the league. Uh, they ended up losing in the Eastern Conference Finals to I think it was Pittsburgh who beat them. Pittsburgh won the cup three years in a row in my most recent franchise. I'm a little sour about it, so it's probably <laughs> Pittsburgh. Um, but it's interesting to see, like, even in this, like, stupid game that I play, like, that one of them ends up having success without the other one, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's really weird, but I was thinking, like, realistically, if we don't factor the cap into it, like, what are two teams that would make sense almost for them to go to? And in the Eastern Conference, I feel like the Sedins would be interesting with the New York Rangers. Yeah. And hear, hear me out on that. I don't think it makes sense from a cap perspective, but if it's to be believed that some of the pieces that are currently playing for New York are going to get flipped at the deadline, it'd be interesting to see the Sedins reunited with Vigneault. Yeah. And I think it would be interesting to see the two of them and Lundqvist playing on the same team after they've played a lot of their international um, game together. Yeah. And I honestly think that because of the, you know, lack of depth that they have up the middle and on the left wing, that Henrik and Daniel could be impactful on a team like the New York Rangers. Yeah. Or, and this is more of like a just ridiculous, but could you imagine the Nashville Predators with the Sedins? I couldn't even watch it. Them and Subban on the same team, like I like I'm I'm biting my tongue because I'm not the biggest fan of the Sedin brothers. Um, but that's where I draw the line. Is if, as soon as you put them on the same team as Subban, I, I I forget Nashville has a team at that point. I don't know how they would do it with the cap, but I think the one thing that still kind of hampers. Um, you know, the, the success that Nashville have is that although they've gotten deeper um, in terms of their forwards and their uh, offensive capabilities, it'd be interesting to see what the Sedin brothers on a power play would do, you know, with Subban <laughs> and, you know, if, if Yossi plays on the left side uh, or whatever, know. right? <laughs> is that your worst fear? Yeah, yeah, that's that scares me. I don't know why it scares you. I think it could be lots of fun. It, it would be interesting to watch. They'd be they'd be like the Harlem Globetrotters of the NHL if you put them and Subban on the power play together. 
Yeah, but realistically, if you put either of the Sedins on a power play with like really NHL, any NHL team, like what kind of impact would that have? But anyways, I think it's a little bit too rich for my blood. It's it's expensive to move them both together. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at some point or another, maybe they got to think about what it would look like, you know, being on a team that doesn't have, you know, your twin brother on it. I was going to say, they're, they're adults. I think they can maybe spend... W- like, what do they have? One season left? Two seasons left in them? One season, yeah. This the, is this is the last season in their existing contract. But, like, I mean, like, as far as gas goes, like, I, f- I feel like they, um, they, their shelf life with the NHL is fast expiring. Yeah. And as adults, I think they should realize, oh, okay, maybe I can, I can deal with, like, visiting and talking to my brother on the phone every once in a while in separate cities for a year and then transitioning over into playing in Europe together again where they (laughs) went like finally we joke about them going back and playing for Modo in the SHL but like I there's this photo of them when they're really young when they're both playing for Modo yeah that like is burned into my brain (laughs) but yeah like could you imagine they, they both get traded somewhere else and it's just like uh Oh, fuck. What's it called? Um, If they get dumped at the deadline, they won't try and play any, like, another season in the NHL. Like, this will be... Yeah, but they're not going to get dumped at the deadline. No, absolutely not. But, like, like to play devil's advocate like we do on this show, if they... Which we do, yeah. If they do get dumped at the deadline, this is the last season for the Sedin brothers. I don't see it happening, man. Well, I know. Neither do I, but I'm just... I have to say it. Yeah, unless they're like, fuck it, we're going to Ottawa or uh, Tampa Bay, <laughs> like they do in the video game. But All right, so we just took a little bit of a break there. Sorry about that. Uh, Carter was having some issues, and I was having some issues as well. <laughs> I'm not going to throw you under the bus, Carter. We all, but we when, all have issues. I've got several I can think of. Um, when did we start recording this episode? Monday. What day? Monday. And it is now Wednesday, the 24th. <laughs> the Leafs are playing Chicago. But there's one last thing I wanted to talk about before we ended this episode. Uh, and we started getting into it before the little technical difficulties. But listen, before we get into that, some of the tef- technical difficulties that some of you like to remind me of was that my microphone sounded great, but Carter sounded like shit. <laughs> Did anybody give you that feedback? Don't Carter? give me that feedback. Oh, they were being nice to you. Well, they but yeah, they you, know your uh, where you work. The sound quality means more. Oh yeah, big time. But uh, I bought Carter the same mic that I have for Christmas, so that we can continue to do this podcast and not sound like Carter's talking through like a cup. Okay. But uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to pick. uh, I looked at TSN's top, I don't know, 20 people on their trade bait board for the um, upcoming trade deadline. And we're going to talk about the top players and where we think they're going to go. So it's the 24th. I think the trade deadline is the last week of February. So we're a month out. We can keep an eye on where these people end up going. I imagine everybody we talk about is going to go, save for maybe one or two people. Um, So let's get started. So the first player that's um, on the trade board um, is Evander Kane. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he's had a bit of a tumultuous career not a well-liked guy basically ran out of winnipeg (laughs) and it almost seems as if um you know there's some other stuff going on i don't know if, if you saw the highlight but he and um uh, another player on the team, Falk, I believe it was, uh, got into it a little yeah. bit during a scrum during one of the practices. Yeah. And that stuff is normal. Like, the media will make it seem as if it was something like where there was like a very clear resentment or an intention to, you know, like get in this guy's face and fight or something. Like, that stuff happens in competitive sports on your team or not on your team. But I think at this point, when you look at Buffalo's record and you look at their season, we're in a point now where it almost makes sense for them to move along on some of these assets like Kane, who probably wasn't expected to stay anyways, yeah. and see what kind of return that they could get. So we'll start with Evander Kane. Where do you think Kane uh, ends up based on what's been floated around on the Internet? Um It's tough to say because Buffalo's asking quite a bit for him. Um, so it's like, it's tough to say that he goes somewhere and Buffalo will get in return what they're asking or agree to even let him go for like anything less than what they're asking or close to it. Uh, Yeah. um, So I don't know. It's like, what are the ones there's, um, there's Columbus, Pittsburgh, um, the, uh, Ducks and Blues, right? Were the four? If I, I lost my yeah. I think there. I think yeah. I think you hit on a couple of teams who are definitely looking for wingers yeah. this time around. Um, so that makes it, sense. It would yeah. be nice to see, like, just with how explosive the Blue Jackets have been. Um, it seems yeah. like a not just because Evander Kane has kind of an explosive personality, but it seems like somewhere that somewhere that he could kind of fit in, as they seem to be on the upwards. Or, or like on the uh, easing out end of a rebuild now, so maybe like fitting a player like Kane into that mix might be something that they would benefit from, um, and they can like the names that they can get rid of might be a little more forgiving than say the Ducks, Penguins, or Blues. Um, yeah. I don't I don't see the Blues spending that much on him. Um, yeah, and given the depth in the front line that the Ducks and the Penguins have, um, I don't think that, one, that's going to be a place where he can grow, um, and two, a place where they're going to get rid of anything for him, you know? Yeah, like, I feel like the ask for him was, I believe, a first-round pick and, a, and a, like, maybe a B prospect. Yeah. And that's that's fair. Um, see, I think a team like St. Louis would be really interested. I didn't have Columbus actually um but now that you mention it and I think about Columbus's power play and their power play has just been just absolutely (laughs) horrible this year where they had such good luck last year that's the power of Sam Gagne maybe being on that power play but you (laughs) I know right so uh thinking about Sam Gagne I actually was thinking maybe Kane ends up on a team like Vancouver. So I had Vancouver oh, as really? that. He's he's a BC guy anyway. Yeah. And as long as I can remember, like even when he got drafted by the Thrashers, then obviously went to Winnipeg and then went to Buffalo, he's always been linked to going back to Winnipeg. Pardon me. <laughs> back no, to he's Winnipeg. Not, he's <laughs> not going back to Winnipeg. Uh, but going back to Vancouver, right, where he played junior hockey, I believe he played for the Vancouver Giants. 
might have to fact check me on that. But uh, I know he's from there, and I know that like there's always been this dialogue about you know what it would look like for him to go back. So well, if he had a twin, they'd take him in a heartbeat. But right. <laughs> Patrick Kane is not his twin, evidently. That, that was a Sadine um, joke for anyone who didn't catch it. Oh, yeah, I think they caught it, buddy. <laughs> not not your finest work, I wouldn't say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought Vancouver, I, and I think that that could, be, that could be interesting for them there. Yeah. The next name that I had was Patrick Maroon, uh, who's currently playing with Edmonton, and I would say... A, kind of a limited role in comparison to, to how he was playing before because I know that he was seeing some time with McDavid. Yeah. Uh, another team that's kind of a tire fire right now, Edmonton, like just they got to see if they can get some assets back for Maroon. And I don't think it would be significant. I feel like Maroon would maybe get you like a third round pick or so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a prospect on there as well, but somebody that's not nearly highly, t- as, as highly touted. Yeah. Um, I, th- I said that he'd go back to Anaheim and you mentioned Anaheim a few minutes ago and I feel like Anaheim is, they had a lot of injury problems earlier in the year and they seem to be fully healthy now or at least close to it. To me, it feels like, you know, Maroon who played for Anaheim prior to going to to Edmonton, a team like Anaheim might take a flyer on a guy who they already know pretty well and would probably ease into their system fairly well that they've that they've got going on in Anaheim. And they're always looking for left wing depth, at least from what I was looking at on the Ducks and the San Diego Gulls, their farm team. Mm-hmm. So I thought, yeah, maybe Patrick Maroon would be, you know, a nice spot there. But what where do you think Maroon lands as number two on the trade board? Um it's he's another like it's it sounds weird but this isn't like the most interesting like trade year for me just with the names that they're talking about like maroon is he 30 yet or is he like pushing 30 yeah i think he's either 30 or just over 30 if i remember correctly yeah so he's another guy that like like i guess it makes sense to dump him at the trade line because he's an already developed player that's not putting up the numbers um that I guess you would want for someone who like is at his point in his NHL career. Um, so like you said, I don't see them getting much more than a third rounder for him. But one of the interesting things that I heard was that St. Louis was, um, I guess like, I don't know if it was out of his mouth or if it was out of, uh, St. Louis's mouth, but St. Louis was on the table for him and it would be cool. Cause he, was born in St. Louis, so um, it'd be kind of cool for him to get back home and maybe being where his family is would be a bit of a spark for his career. Maybe he can find his groove groove a little better. But he's um, I don't know, I don't see like him returning for much, like you said, and especially given his age and like he only pushed what was it was it thirty goals or thirty points. Um, uh, he's, he's almost at 30 points this year, not 30 goals. Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking, like last, I'm just I was thinking last year. Yeah. He was 30, stati- 30 goals last year and he's at 30 points this year. Yeah. Just about 27 goals, but yeah, it's man. I didn't even realize that he had that kind of season last year, to be honest with you. I know. It's pretty, I, I mean, I saw 30 goals and I was like, Whoa, shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that, I don't know if that was like a one-off by any means. I didn't realize that he was from St. Louis. That's interesting. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, as far as that goes, yeah, he's a year older than I am. So he was born in 88. So he's 29. Okay. Like, I'll be 29 uh, in in February. So I'll, I'll probably start doing the same thing. You can trade me for a third round pick. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm at the bottom end of my career, obviously. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. The It's weird because there's so much of this... You know, I, I, as I said on the first episode, like I'm a fan of storylines, totally. Yeah. So, like, part of the reason I was like, "Oh, it'd be cool if Vancouver had, you know, Kane go back there because that's where he's from." Maybe that's a similar situation with Patrick Maroon. And I also don't see him being this guy that sticks around in the league for, you know, he'll get another contract. You know, he's probably going to get like maybe a, a two or a three year deal, but. I don't know if he's going to get much longer than that. Hopefully I don't eat my words on that. Um, But yeah, you had St. Louis and I had Anaheim. So let's move into probably the sexiest player on this list. (laughs) And by that, I don't mean his appeal to Toronto Maple Leafs fans. I mean, this guy's honest to God, hot as fuck. And that's Mike Green. He's so hot. Um, He's so hot. (laughs) We were talking about Mike Green before the episode thing i like about my green is he's like tatted from head to toe oh is he dude he's like you he's got like the hand tats and like the the knuckle tattoos which you don't have but he does have uh and it's oh he just looks sick sometimes i don't know i just think on top of like the sex appeal he is also like just he looks cool like he looks badass yeah the thing i like about green is i think he is like a very sexy name his contract is it's big, but I think, you know, that that you kind of get what you pay for with him. Yeah. Um, I had him going back to Washington. Yeah. This seems like such a theme for me, and I swear to God it wasn't intended, this idea of, like, players going back to where they used to play. But now I'm looking at my list, and I'm like, eh, it's a bit of a theme. But um, when you think about Mike Green, for me, like, I loved watching him on, on Washington's blue line. Mm-hmm. The thing that doesn't make sense, though, is that I feel like if they were to get Mike Green, and I saw this, like, touted around on the internet. I, I don't remember who brought it up initially, but it's almost like a very, sh- like, what they did with Shattenkirk last year, where they acquired Shattenkirk. And when you think about the way that the their blue line looks, um, you have a scenario where it's like lefties on the left side, righties on the right side. And on the right side, you've got Carlson and Niskanen. And that would, by default, almost put Green on the third pairing. Yeah. Which I don't think is a bad idea, especially if you need the depth come playoff time. And then you give him, you know, those special team minutes, I think could be really cool. But at the same time, I just don't know if Mike Green being there would be um, as good of a fit. I just think it would be interesting to see what they do. And with Washington not afraid to make big moves come, you know, the trade deadline like they did last year with Shattenkirk, which obviously did not pan out the way that it was intended. I I think that they would maybe realistically make a move like that to just shore up uh, like their back end. And I think that that would look good. Where did you have Mike Green going? Um, Washington would be interesting, especially like with the departure of like um, Shattenkirk and Schmidt and those guys. Um, yeah. So Washington, I guess the play into the storyline would be cool. Um, another one that I had were the Oilers and the Kings. 
the Oilers, dude, the Oilers are not even sniffing a playoff spot this year. I know. The Kings would be cool, though. I, I see where you're coming from on the Kings. I know the, the, the Oilers aren't sniffing a playoff spot, but they're reaching out straws to fix what they can, and I think they've finally looked at their back end. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Like I, I, the, I like the Kings better personally. Like if you were gonna pick one, yeah, I think the Kings would be well, my, real interesting to see what they could do. My, my, and the Oilers also don't have the assets for it, in my unless opinion. They dumped, they unless they dump McDavid. <laughs> no. Oh my God! Don't even. <laughs> don't you dare besmirch the good name of Newmarket, Ontario native Connor McDavid. No, he's. I uh, I feel bad for what he's going through in Edmonton right now. I can imagine how tough it must be for that whole whole squad. But um, so wait, why why LA? Just out of curiosity, because I think you're onto something. That actually is pretty interesting. LA's like I don't know what if Dowdy goes. That kind of frees up some space on the back end. If he's talking about getting what he's worth and leaving LA. It frees up some space on the back end for um, for Green to play a role that you know he's capable of. Um, but if Doughty, but remember that Doughty's not going for another little bit. He's still got a year after this one before the decision's made. But you meant like more long term. More long term, like Green can play. Yeah. Like Green has the capability to like given the right organization. I think he could be on par with Doughty, and I know that's kind of stretching and reaching for the. That is. A fiery take. I'm talking about leadership, though, and presence on the point. Like, yeah, okay. He he's been in the game long enough. He he wore an A in Washington. Like, he knows how to lead. He knows how to move the puck, and he knows how to put up numbers and make waves. Um, yeah. If Doughty leaves, they need a defenseman like that. And yeah, I could see if, that. If he and played I mean, alongside, sorry, I don't mean to cut off, but my last no, point no, was if he if he played alongside Doughty for a year and kind of got that conditioning um yeah we might see a completely different and revamped mike green come than the following season yeah that's interesting i mean i could see it because i think the type of player mike green is like a, a, a type of player that sorry let me start that again the type of player that Mike Green is is, I think, a type of player that teams covet, and yeah. that makes sense to me. Totally, it does. Um, so my my last pick for him would have been Montreal. <laughs> yeah, of course it would be. But you <laughs> need warm bodies on the blue line in Montreal. <laughs> Don't worry about Mike Green. <laughs> that, that's my fourth pick for the rest of this segment's going to be Montreal. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I don't <laughs> think, I'm just going through my list. Yeah, I don't have Montreal for any of them. No, neither so. do I, don't worry. Uh, okay, let's move past Mike Green. Let's go to Mike Hoffman, who I love Mike Hoffman, straight up. He's so fun to watch. He's got a, just a killer release uh, on that you know, kind of like trademark wrist shot that he has. Um, and I've seen him score on the Leafs way too many times in the last few years with the Senators. <laughs> so I feel like Mike Hoffman's definitely going to go. And I think the option that makes the most sense as far as him going to a team where he can be creative and he can play for a team that's like an offensive juggernaut yeah. would like far and away be St. Louis. Yeah. And that is my final answer. St. Louis. See, I had the Bruins. Okay. Um, Actually, yeah, I could kind of see that because I think he was linked to the Bruins. Somebody was writing about it, maybe Elliot Friedman, like this week or last week. Yeah. 
Um, I could see the Bruins because they have a lot of young talent on their team, but maybe they could shore up like their top six with a guy like Hoffman yeah. and then have him play on the power play as well. Yeah. Right? I know my, my other pick for that, and I, it, it seems like a horrible pick, but I, I like to think in development terms for these type of, like development and turnaround was Colorado. Yeah, I could see Colorado too in the sense that they have some firepower up front. Yeah. But I still don't think we know what Colorado is. No, like, the, well, Colorado doesn't know what Colorado is, right? Oh, 100%. And yeah, so I agree with you on that one. Someone like, someone like him could come in and like kind of solidify things on the front end in Colorado and maybe give them a bit of a direction as to where they could go. But if, yeah. if I were to... I like... I, I, Af, like after you said it, St. Louis makes a lot more sense than Boston, but um, I think Boston would be a good home for Hoffman. Give him a chance to run with it, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think St. Louis, and I don't think it's a hot take. Like I straight up think St. Louis is going to win the cup in the next five years at some point, and that's solely because like I love Tarasenko, I love uh, Pietrangelo. Like Pietrangelo, I think could genuinely win the Norris this year based on the season that he was having and and hopefully will continue to have um the next name that I had on my list okay it's kind of Montreal was Max (laughs) Pacioretty um and and I'll make this like sweet and to the point when I think about the areas of weakness for the Canadians I think one of their glaring weaknesses is defense yeah for a number of reasons yeah um and I feel like if they were to trade Max Pacioretty to Carolina, yeah. that maybe they could pry away one of the many defensive prospects that Carolina has. Because here's the thing. We talked about it on like one of the first episodes that some of these teams are like, just they just make and create and continue to improve upon these defensemen. They're like defensemen factory, as I think the term that I used. Yeah, Carolina is one of those teams, right? So I think not one of the the guys that are already like locked up long term. I think of like Jacob Slavin, probably not going to happen with Noah Hannafin, probably not going to happen with you know a couple of their other guys. But I wonder about somebody like Jake Bean, who would be a really good asset to them. I wonder if Justin Falk makes sense Um, he's got a little bit left on his contract but a guy is a little bit older right hand shot you know kind of a coveted player that way I know he's like the the co-captain or whatever they've got going on in Carolina (laughs) Um, but I genuinely think that that's a move that would work Um, as a Montreal fan I'm sure it breaks your heart thinking what it would look like to get rid of um, your boy Max Pacioretty, but where do you think that he could land? Like, where would you like to see him land as a fan of that team and, and the return that they might expect? Um, I don't know. I didn't really like think of it much because he's another guy that's old. <laughs> like, well, he's not that old. He's, he's like older, maybe, but I I think he's still very much like in his prime. I think he's. The same age as Maroon, 29 yeah. or 30 maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, like, with the game kind of evolving as it is, I see these kind of 29, 30-year-old guys that, like, haven't really found their, I guess, Patch Wright, he's a bit more, sorry, Maroon, but established than Maroon. 
Um, I would say so. <laughs> like multiple 30 goal seasons. Yeah. yeah, I feel like he's a little bit further along, definitely. Um, I'm in agreement with you with Carolina. Um, um, I don't know where I see him fitting, though. I guess I've just watched him too much in Montreal to imagine him anywhere else. But he he's one that I had trouble with. Yeah, I mean, that, and that makes sense. I feel like a team, it's weird. I feel like this is one of the scenarios where, like, him going to a team where he could definitely yield a return that's like a roster player, a prospect, and a first over, like, our first round draft pick. That would be, like, best case scenario for him. But another team that has offensive depth, or sorry, defensive depth, pardon me. Um, I don't know. I think of the Flyers, maybe, but I don't really know if if Pacioretty would make sense in the top six on the Flyers. I don't think he really would when I think about it at off the top. But I don't know. Maybe he makes sense there. You know. Yeah. And he's also on like a really good cap hit too, right? Yeah. What but, is it? Easy four and a half million. Um, it's, it's under market value. I can't remember what exactly the number is, but it's, it's pretty good. I think all things considered. Yeah. Um, next person I had was Thomas Vanek. Uh, and he's absolutely going to get traded at the trade deadline as seems to happen every year. (laughs) He gets (laughs) moved from one team to another. Um, I think, I don't think it would happen, but where I'd love to see him go and just put up a ton of goals would be Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, I genuinely think that he could have success on a team that is just outscoring five on five, outshooting all of these teams. I think uh, a guy who's more like shoot first, ask questions later, like Vanek, uh, could be really interesting on Tampa Bay. But really... I think he's he's going somewhere. We just don't know where. Where would you put him if you could? Um, fuck. How, how many teams has he played on this like this year? All of them. Yeah, not this year. He's only played for. Uh, he's playing for Vancouver, I believe, right yeah, now. But he's with Detroit and Carolina, and then Florida, or Florida. Sorry. Yeah, not Carolina. He played for Florida, Florida, Detroit, and Vancouver. The teams that like ring the most recent bells for yeah. me that's cr- such a hop like he needs to find a home to stay for a bit um but no one's really been biting at him right like i liked him on florida yeah he i is. feel like florida actually might make sense given some of the issues at wing that they've had and trying to get scoring going on that team yeah but it's just surprising that no, like well i guess it's not surprising but it is surprising that no one's really talking about him. Like he's, like the he's been passed around like a bag of chips, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I guess like where I like maybe the Sabers, like yeah. But yeah, I think he. I don't think he'd make sense really on the Sabers because as yeah, the but, Sabers are trying to figure out what they are, do they want a guy who? And I'm not, like, this isn't meant to be disparaging, but is on the other end of 30, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Maybe he belongs as a depth piece is kind of what my thought was in him going to Tampa, where he's not going to be leaned upon as, like, the main producer. Yeah, but I think he knows and organizations know he's not going to be the main producer. And, like, I'm I'm a firm believer in, like, this is a young man's game now. Yeah. And um, it's... 
like these guys are operating at a level where like you if you can't keep up you just can't keep up you know yeah and so the only reason why i thought buffalo maybe was just with kane going yeah maybe they could get like him in like a bit of a support role they've also got a lot of players on the americans like their farm system yeah farm team rather that could probably get a sniff yeah um, so th- that was maybe like why buffalo might make sense for him and it might like with like a, a team that's like at the tier that buffalo is he might yeah. be able to find some permanency that he's not used to or yeah, at least fair a enough. bit of extended permanency because they're not going to be making any big moves anytime soon. Yeah, and it wouldn't be as if the GM uh, or not not Botterill, but uh, Pagula, their their owner. It's not like he's ever handed out really shitty contracts to somebody who's way over the age to deserve that kind of money. <laughs> <coughs> Christian Erhoff. <coughs> but I digress, dude. I it was listening to another pot i think it was maybe puck soup or something recently where they were talking about that contract and just how when he joined the team he was just giving out these shitty contracts like left right and center and i just remember and i was like oh christian Erhoff's not bad but i don't know if he's worth that much <laughs> i don't know a little bit of a rich contract but the next person we had was alex galchenyuk uh, another uh, montreal guy um, I think the only way that this makes sense is a team like Columbus or a team like Carolina, like similar to Max, Max Pacioretty. Where can they pry um, some defensive prospects to kind of rebuild their defensive pool, which is currently like Victor Mete and Noah Juleson? Yeah. Like Montreal needs to have a little bit of help on the back end, and I think they'll continue to want to build from – carry price and outwards starting with their defense and then moving up i wonder if a guy like gabriel carlson who is a first round pick at columbus would look pretty good in the uh rouge bleu et blanc <laughs> uh, as the french say uh or if it makes sense to take a guy like i know it was out there for a while that the montreal canadians were looking at uh, pierre luc dubois because he is a uh, francophone from quebec <laughs> And, of course, Montreal needs to have a front office that all speaks French and all this other stuff. But a guy like Dubois, if if I, I think it would be Galchenyuk plus to get a guy like Dubois. Yeah. I don't know. What do you what do you think about Galchenyuk? I know we've talked about him at length on previous episodes. Um, well, I get the one that's like out in the air with him is the Sabres again interesting why the sabers they just talk about like eichel and him in the power play but like you can kind of feed any any like a to b level forward and any a to b level defenseman together and write the same narrative you know yeah um but although buffalo might be interesting though because assuming they wanted to play him center yeah but it's I don't know if that would really make sense as a center because they've already got Eichel and O'Reilly as their top two, right? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe so, I don't know. Yeah, I know it's tough to say. Like it's I don't it, by the sound like the sound of the wind here is that Buffalo is trying to make some moves and it sounds like Buffalo is being pretty active, um, just in how like they're discussing talking with other players not so much letting their 
players go. Um, so it sounds like we're about to see Buffalo on the brink of a big a big transition, hopefully. Yeah, I like, think that that's going to probably come too. And, like, I, I know, like, it's... I, I guess they're overdue. Like, we haven't seen performance come out of Buffalo since, like, Hasek and Pekka, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. was that 99-2000? Like, yeah, no, it's true. And so that's why I can kind of see these players that have shown mild to, like, mild to mild plus success in their organizations and that are ready for moves fitting in a place like Buffalo, um, just because Buffalo is willing to kind of open up these avenues and like basically offer them a place to, to, um, like explore their creativity. So that might be, Buffalo might be an interesting place to see him. Um, and the other one that I had written down for him was Nashville. Ooh, Nashville. You know I, I love that. I know you love. I I I say it with disdain, but he <laughs> he, he looks like. Did you get what I said to you about PK Subban being a TV personality? By the way, yeah, I did, dude. Yeah. I would love that. And <sighs> the thing is, is like my dream scenario. Like as soon as the the Leafs are like out of cup contention in the year, I'm I'm on the bandwagon for Nashville, big time. You know who we needed to bring on for Nashville talk is Moosey. He's a huge Nashville fan. Oh, really? Yeah, he has been from the start. Man, I'd love that. We, we could definitely look at doing that. Okay, Galchenyuk to Nashville confirmed. Nashville, no Buffalo? You're going <laughs> to shoot me down? Dude, I'd rather have him out of the conference because I think once he's playing and he's confident, like, now listen, buddy, I don't want him on Buffalo. I'd rather have him on the other conference and the other side of the, uh, of the continent. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> the uh, next person, I'm going to make this short and sp- in short and sweet, uh, Eric Goodbranson. He's 100% going to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, you think so? Th- this guy is like, you know how Babcock is about grit and heart and determination yeah. and all these things. That is like Goodbranson in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, and I, think- I actually like Goodbranson. And... Part of it is, and I don't know if I ever told you the story, but he's like a, uh, he's a hardcore guy. Yeah, I think you were telling me about him. He's got like a mad ball tattoo tattooed on his bicep. And I was like, this guy is hard as fuck. I do not want to run into this guy during like a set it off, you know, like the mosh part and set it off. Like I, I'm not <laughs> trying to run and into ha- him. And have to fall in love? Well, there's this photo on his Instagram of him with Freddie Madball. And I was like, this guy is hard as fuck. Like, really? Yeah, man. Oh, that's sick. So, yeah, selfishly, I'd love to see him at a hardcore show in Toronto, um, assuming I make it out to one. But If we go again? If we... Oh, don't say that. But... Oh, that's that, really funny. I'm keeping that one. That. No, I'm 100% keeping that joke. The people that was a who, funny joke, right? If you get the joke, you get the joke. Uh, <laughs> but, like, Drop honestly, boats. I would love to see Goodbranson in, in the blue and white. Uh, I know he's not what people expect him to be, but he's still... Uh, I think he could be an interesting, like, third-pairing guy. Yeah. Uh, and if the Leafs were to move on from Polak, I think it could be really interesting. Which they need to do. 100%. And I think Good Branson has always... Like, for somebody who is a former third overall pick, mm-hmm. there's always going to be a layer of expectation for him and he's just not a third overall pick like he put up points when he played in junior 
but that's obviously not the player that he is. And I feel like if he could be a reclamation project and he didn't cost a lot, I yeah. would be fine with that as a Maple Leaf fan. going to say, if, if Toronto played their cards right, they can get him for a bucket of pucks. Well, I feel like they would really all, all they really need to send back is maybe a pick and a prospect. And oh, when I look at like the Maple Leafs, like just absolute crazy situation on the wings, I wonder if like uh, Josh Levo or a Soshnikov or somebody like that going back the other way would do it. Yeah. Well, and also like if you think of the depth, the depth that the Leafs have in in grooming right now, like in their Marley system, like they can definitely afford to put some faith in Branson. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that that could be interesting. Um, and there was talk for a long time that Florida wanted him to come back. Uh, <laughs> so I think it'd be really funny if he ended up on another Atlantic Division team that wasn't Florida. And uh, yeah, would, it would really, really bum out that team, I, w- I would imagine, at some point or another. <laughs> um, and then we're going to go through the last person I had was Rick Nash. No, you, you had James Neal. Yeah, I know, but I've I'm settled that James Neal should not be traded at all. That was the trick question. Okay, see that's why I was confused cuz he's he's made such a home in Vegas now. Buddy, he's got to be the captain of Vegas. I like I genuinely would love nothing more than James Neal to stay on Vegas. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. I I was skeptical about him. But yeah. You you heard me say um, Las Vegas Cup contenders. The whole conversation that started this podcast was you texting me saying that they were going to be in the playoffs. And I was like, you're a fucking idiot. There's you no laughed, way. You laughed me out of the room. I did. And then this is kind of a breakthrough thanks to the technical difficulties we had the other night. Uh, they're first place in the fucking league right now. What I should do <laughs> is I should go back to the first episode where I'm like, the Vegas Golden Knights are currently sitting here and on this date, because I remember I did that the first time yeah. that we recorded. Yeah, you, you timestamped it. Yeah, so I'm now timestamping it at 10.20 p.m. on January 24th, Eastern Standard Time. They are, at least to the best of my knowledge, without having looked at the standings from the game tonight, still in first place, which is mind-boggling. I was going to say, um, I money-balled that shit. You did. Dude, you should have put down a hefty bet. You could have taken us to Vegas and then Fuck, some. I'm not, a, I'm not a good gambler. I'm a, I'm a very timid gambler. Me too. The only time I've ever won money was when I went to Vegas on a business trip like five or so years ago. <laughs> I won like $600 American, and the money was burning a hole in my pocket. That's like $10,000 Canadian. I know. You're not wrong. <laughs> and you know what I did? I fucking spent all of it. I On bought what? a pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses, <laughs> and I was looking sharp. And then I you also... Got, you got swindled those $600 Ray-Bans. No, 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 no. They were at 600 And then this was around the time that the Beats headphones were, like, super prominent, like, before Apple bought them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're prominent now, don't get me wrong, but they were, like, just coming to, like, that, that kind of, like, cool kind of factor stage like if you wore them you were sick and they're uh, 500 plus no they were like three and i bought them at the airport the, on my way home the the one place you don't buy headphones is the airport buddy i didn't want to cross the border having not spent all of my money and i look oh at it now God. as i nearly well i'll be 29 in a month 
almost 30 year old man i'm like oh i could have used that money towards you know anything else i could have put that in a high interest savings account (laughs) (laughs) you know whenever i i i gamble yeah i'm wrong i'm wrong I, i guess that's how it always works out but whenever you don't gamble and you like you put your two cents in you're right yeah like no, that's it's true. And that's I, it's the story funny of my because life. I we went to this like part of Vegas. I guess it's called Old Vegas. I don't. It's just like where the older casinos are, like not the new upscale ones. And yeah. there is this there is this slot machine that was, uh, you know how they're all branded after like a movie or like a TV show or whatever. And this one was the Hangover slot machine, <laughs> and I won all of my money on this slot machine. And yeah, it was. It was hilarious, but like back onto the topic of Vegas. If Vegas plays like they're playing now, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I genuinely think that they could win the Western Conference. Honestly, I do. I know it's spicy. It's a little late for such a spicy well, take. No, but I, I was that spicy at the beginning of the season. I know. And I was like shit talking you to your face behind your face (laughs) on the podcast but anyways well listen we should probably wrap this thing up um we're back we are happy to be back i promise we will never do this again the blackhawks just tied against the maple leafs and if i get off the podcast soon enough i can go watch the rest of the game do you not want to talk about rick nash or yeah, Rick Nash is going to go back to Columbus. I told you I had a theme. <laughs> Listen to my theme. <laughs> no, straight up. Imagine Rick Nash goes back to Columbus after all the drama about him leaving in the first place. Full circle. And they slap the C on him. <laughs> slap the C. Before he even signs, they just mail him a C. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see it happening. They're like, Felino, it's been fun. Here, you can wear the A that we took off to Binsky and we're gonna give <laughs> we're gonna give the C to Rick Nash. Oh my god. Oh fuck. Well and if that would be of course Jack Johnson being traded and going to Edmonton and playing forward. Um so yeah, all these things are gonna come together for all the teams involved. And we're going to keep a close eye on this to see how right or how wrong we were. Uh, And for every guess that I was right, you will buy me a beer. And for every guess that you were right, I will buy you a... San Pellegrino. Oh, you are fucking gross. (laughs) I will have no part in that. You don't even want to hear that I think Rick Nash might be a good fit in Colorado or Montreal. No, I don't, because he's okay. going to Columbus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I told you, I've settled. Like, I've made up my mind. But uh, anyways, listen, buddy, I'm happy to be doing this again with you. I think we're going to have a lot of fun this year. I'm, like, so, so, so looking forward to getting some other guests on. we got a couple of guests in the works right now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do in 2018, even though we're, like, almost at the end of the first month of 2018 and are just putting out the first episode. Well, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do weekly from here on in. We'll be diligent, I promise, to the three people that listen to this podcast. The three people in France? Dude, we had, uh, when I looked at the SoundCloud Pulse results, and I would never brag about this, although I'm about to brag about it. <laughs> um, this week we have five listens from Japan. Which I thought was really cool because 
I don't really consider Japan like a emerging or huge hockey market, although I know that they play hockey there. Um, I just can't imagine anybody in Japan going, oh, I want to listen to these fucking buffoons talk about hockey for an hour. I don't see it maybe happening. They, maybe they're just listening to make fun of us. Wishful thinking. You're probably right. Good call. Well, <laughs> hello to our fans all over the world, um, especially the ones in beautiful Barrie, Ontario. Um, you can listen to the Hosers podcast uh, on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And if you're so inclined, you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes or leave a comment on SoundCloud. That'll help us uh, get out to expand our um, listenership to six people instead of three. And of course, as always, you can follow along on Twitter at Listen to Hosers, or you can follow Carter and I at C Killingsworth Nine and at Carter Lupel. At Carter Lupel. Any uh, last words there, Carter, before we sign off? No. Uh, I guess the next time we'll see each other in person is at practice. Yeah, I'll be there. I promise. <laughs> I don't want any trouble with you. Anyways, have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, thanks, guys. Bye.